When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. Today, we're talking about Get Out, 2017 horror film written and directed by first time director and writer of a major motion picture, Jordan Peele. Uh, you probably thrilled to his stylings, comic stylings on, on Key and Peele. I was a big fan. I was really excited to see what he did on a horror film, and uh, this one was a lot of fun. It stars Daniel Kalua uh, from Kick-Ass 2, Sicario, Black Panther. Recently, he played Black Panther founder Fred Hampton uh, on Judas and the Black Messiah. Also stars Allison Williams, who you might recall being Marnie from Girls. She also is Peter Pan on the disastrous NBC Peter Pan Live stage show. I don't know if it's disastrous. I didn't like it. Uh, Bradley Whitford, uh, who is Josh from the West Wing, of course. He's also the villain in Billy Madison. Recently, he's been on the last few seasons of Handmaid's Tale, I think. Uh, also, mm-hmm. Caleb Landry-Jones, uh, who I've uh, I've seen in a bunch of things, but like I, I haven't, too. He was Walt Jr.'s best friend in Breaking Bad for like two seconds. He was an X-Men, an X-Men, but an X-Men first class. Okay. Uh, he's on Friday Night Lights that I never saw and the three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which, again, I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baldu fan favorite, Steven Root, Office Space, Dodgeball, Justified, lighting it up recently on Barry. When's Barry coming back? Is what I want to know. Right. Catherine Keener, who starred 40 year old virgin, Synecdoche, and recently on the new, brand new Cherry Flavor. And Lakeith Stanfield, who I first fell in love with on Atlanta, but he's also been in Selma, straight out of Compton, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Knives Out. Uh, Jim. This movie came out about five years ago. We celebrate its fifth anniversary. I do not recall why it was not a first run bald movie. I think it was either you got sick or maybe it uh, you, you booked uh, like uh, an Italian three week Italian vacation during during it. I, I remember I, I went and saw, saw it opening night and mm-hmm. it was a hell of an experience. Um, which I'll talk about here in a bit. What did you think of? Is this your first time? Uh, no. Or have you seen it before? No, I, I saw it a few months after that. Um, after it came out and I remember really enjoying it. I remember uh, thinking it was just a straight up good horror movie. Like in addition to all of the other stuff that's going on here, the actual message of the movie, um, the, the horror movie aspect of this is actually really good. There's like this mystery. Um, the, the, the setting of it is just like perfect for what they're trying to do. Um, at the end of this movie, the, this whole like getting together with the family the first time is, it's just a perfect setting. I couldn't imagine a better one. Uh, it, it, this, this movie is not subtle, um, on rewatch, especially with, with its message, but I don't think that's a drawback. I think, I think it's exactly what it needs to be because first time you watch it, it's very, you know weird like weird stuff is happening and you're like why are these characters acting this way and you find out at the end of the movie and then when you go back and watch it the second time 
it's it, it, there are so many little things that make just perfect sense in context um, after seeing it. And I, I really appreciate it the second time around. Yeah, I think this movie actually really rewards multiple watches because the first time you are, like you said, you're in the mystery, like what's going on? What is happening here? What is going to be the danger? There's plenty of danger I can potentially see, but I'm not sure where it's coming from. And then when you rewatch that and you just look at subtle details of the movie and, and what's going on, the dialogue, the the, the imagery, um, with the awareness of what's going to eventually happen, like, I think it's really great. And he's, he's, yeah. as you said, it's, it's it's not really subtle, but like probably the first two thirds of it are fair. Like, you know, before it reveals kind of like what it's all about, I think there is a lot of subtle things going on there. Um, you know, it just it just says it. It's like the three step Martin reveal. It, it definitely belts it out for anyone that missed it in the house by by the end. Yeah. Um, but it's like, uh, you know, the the way I understand this is that it's uh, kind of um, it represents the horror that uh, black people can feel in America um, with, you know, uh, the, the, the dealing with white people. You know, and especially because like a lot of times we've seen, you know, racism in in movies and it's the Django Unchained, like mm-hmm. antebellum South, like super fucking red state uh, in your face, racist Confederate flag waving. And this is not that this is dealing with what a what seems to be well-meaning uh, middle class liberal white folks who would vote for Obama three times if they could and how that sometimes those situations you can find yourself in as a black person can be just as unsettling and uncomfortable, maybe even more so because you don't know where the danger lies. You don't know who the smiling faces you can trust, who's going to make you feel awkward or less than, um, or like, you know, they kind of joke about an early movie, but like, which what you know, you're going to go home to a father who's going to chase you out of your home with a shotgun. Um, yeah, there's, and- there's a lot of, um, a lot about the irony of cultural appropriation in this movie. Like it's that that's kind of the major right subset of racism that they're dealing with here. Yeah. And then by the time the movie fully matures into its theme, it's talking about just the, like, you know, the way, um, historically, um, and even there's like, there's a lot of vestiges in this today, like that, that white people have found ways to own black minds, black creativity, black bodies. Uh, that's the horror of, of this film. And yeah. I think it works really well. And I got to say, I saw it opening night. Uh, our theater is in a neighborhood that's like, you know, medium diverse for Cincinnati. Uh, you know, there's sometimes where those mixtures are, you know, if you, you were going to see Black Panther or a movie like Get Out. Um, when we saw it, I'd say it's about 70% black, 30% white uh, when we saw it. And it was kind of an electric experience to... I I remember thinking like when me and Cesar are driving home, it's like, I feel like a, like a great white shark, maybe the great white shark shark, like in the, uh, in, uh, finding Nemo, who's, who's trying to reform and night eat fish, but I'm, I'm a great white shark wa- watching a movie with a whole bunch of swimmers, you know? Hmm. Um, because there's that kind of like, you know, when you get up and you're filing out and you're walking, there's like a lot of sheepish, she, you know, cause everybody saw the reaction, like as this was happening, like everybody's gasping and horrifying and laughing. Uh, but then we were walking out. You're kind of like everyone's, you know, kind of like side eyeing each other sheepishly, <laughs> especially the black and the white people is that kind of like energy. And sure. it was one of like probably top 10 movie theater going experiences in, in my life because of 
that that kind of tension that was in the room. Hmm. Should we uh, uh, maybe describe what the movie is about uh, before we get too much into the spoilers? Uh, yeah, I'd say go for it. Uh, so this movie is about uh, a black man who's dating a white woman. Uh, and it's funny because like some of this is you can see it as being somewhat autobiographical because Keen feels married to uh, a white woman. Uh, but he's he's dating this white girl. I think they've had a relationship for four or five months and he's meeting her folks for the first time, which engenders a lot of like nervousness and, uh, you know, kind of kind of scary energy for him, especially when he finds out that she has not revealed to her parents that he is a black man. So they go out into their uh, upcountry estate. Um, they're going to find out that there's going to be a family barbecue thrown in the middle of it. The amps up the tension. And slowly but surely, the man realizes that things are not quite as they appear uh, with this family, and he's put in great danger and is uh, and 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 has to get out of the situation. Um, that's about it. I think the 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 less if if you've gotten five years into this without knowing any more about the movie than that, then sit down and watch it because it's a great horror film. Uh, makes you think about different stuff, and if you don't. I, it's also one of those things where it's like if you don't quite get it, there's tons of like great essays and stuff written online about it, and uh, you know probably if, if you're if you're not getting something about this movie that's this the kind of like kind of blatant about it, then it's probably a good good yeah. thing to self reflect on. That's what I mean when I say it's not subtle. I'm like, boy, I I, I remember like thinking, okay, what is the message of this movie uh, the first time I'm watching it, and then you get to the end and it's like, oh. Okay, yeah, no, obviously. All right, I, I totally get what they're going for here. Uh, not, I guess not overly so, right? It's it's not like a character gets out there and just lays it all out. Like we're going, we're going to steal your culture. I I, I don't know because characters kind of do like Stephen Root at the end sort of does, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's what that's what I mean when I say it's not subtle. But it's also but there's a really lot really enjoyable. I- the subtle the subtlety comes in like um I've heard that like ghost pepper is not subtle, but you know, because it's like one of the hottest fucking substances known to man as far as a flavor profile. But I've also heard from mm-hmm. people who are really aficionados of spicy things that like actually the flavor of a ghost pepper is is quite complex and subtle once you get over that overpowering, you know, three million Scoville units hitting your 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 tongue and respiratory system. And I feel like this is the same way where there's very uh, there's a very strong visceral thing that hits you. But there's a lot of like subtleties and um, things that might make you feel uncomfortable from either perspective. Like as a white person, like Jesus Christ, is that how is this how I seem, Mm -hmm. you know, as a person who, uh, you know, I grew up in a town that was all white, no black people, no black people for for miles around, uh, got well into my adulthood before I had uh, black people that I would consider like, you know, friends and acquaintances. Um, and then sometimes you don't know how to act or to think the way you want to act as like, you're like, I just want to make sure this black person knows that they can feel comfortable around it. The things that you right. might say sends out a weird to energy. try to do that sends out the message of like, oh, shit, you are trying to, you know, and that J- just being know. preoccupied with the idea that they're black and I'm white. Yeah, you don't see them as people, you know. Yeah, yeah, or in whatever ways you do see them as people, it's also colored by their skin tone, right? Yeah, like, and 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 how much you want them to feel about you, like you're invested right. in, like, and it's yeah, like, you know, there might be people listening, it's like, well, what's wrong with trying to make people uh, people feel uncomfortable? And it's like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where 
that is the case, it does make you feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, when someone's trying to like overtly make you feel, and there's a way to do it like chart, but like, you know, especially when they're kind of a pandering or appealing to like what the, like the most obvious thing about you, you know, like it can, it can make, it can, it can definitely put you off. Um, and they, they definitely explore some of that stuff. Like, you know, in, 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 in both subtle and gross detail. Um, sure. I'm also super impressed with the quality of filmmaking here. Like for a first time director, I feel like Peel is getting some really good shots and, and saying a lot with the cinematography. Um, there are a lot of scenes where you feel strange because of the way the shot is presented to you, like extreme mm. close-ups on characters mm. or, or, or the opposite. Like, there's that scene where they roll up to the parents' house for the first time and they're all greeting each other on the porch and they're talking about, oh, we're a hugging family and all this. But the camera is so far back that it feels like there's distance in this this interaction. Um, yes. And they're doing that also so they can pull back and show you the weird groundskeeper guy. But it it also creates like an atmosphere with the, the camera work here. Yeah, it also, um, he does a lot of, really interesting visualizations of things I think would be hard to visualize. Like yeah. uh, the, uh, what's he called? The underspace? The sunken place. The yeah. sunken place. Um, how he envisions that in the process, like uh, falling into it, like where they have uh, these flashbacks of him as a child, you know, trying to be in active denial about the, the, the worry and fear he has about his mother and how that little kid just kind of like falls back into the bed and you're there. Like, I thought that was like a really nifty uh, trick. And also, yeah, um, Daniel Kaluuya, man, like. The horror and vulnerability he shows when they've got him locked in that place uh, and his eyes are just like wide with horror and his mouth yeah. is open, like frozen and just like single tears running down his, his eyes uh, as as you're like, you know, to- completely helpless, completely vulnerable, completely helpless. These people that you went in their home and you trusted uh that is not a special effect but it is a lot of what makes the 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 movie work you know and like like late in the movie him trying to like you know i'm being silly i'm being like i should actually go out and talk to his groundskeeper and see what the deal is i'm sure and like everything he does to try to like set himself at ease ends up backfiring and that kind of like nervous kind of uncomfortable energy um but he's trying to be nice about he's trying to let people off the hook um He's not trying to get out. I thought it was, is, it, it was incredibly effective. Oh, yeah. There are a couple of standout scenes in this movie, and that's one of those. The, the sunken place scene is really, really good. Especially since, like, they do um, the tea scene, the mom, uh, 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 Catherine Keener, like, just stirring the tea. Uh-huh. And I noticed, like, this is where the second... Um, the second part, the second watching this movie second, third times really shows that because there's this scene in the beginning where they're just kind of having, having a lunch or something on the back deck. And there's like a so quick, if you miss it, discomfort, physical discomfort he has as the mom stirs some sugar into her iced tea hmm. um, that like jumps out at you at second watches. But that's just kind of like some kind of like a comforting thing, like a mom making a sleepy time tea and stirring it. That that like sound could be like it turns into like nails on a chalkboard in this particular context um yeah i, I, I love really the I, I love the movement of that scene too there's there's the you know he comes inside from having seen some weird stuff um and 
you know, he's already pretty suspicious of hypnosis and, and what, you know, this, this woman might do, but he sits down and then th- th- there's, there's a shift here that is so subtle in this conversation that it really works for me. It's, it, it takes him from like this place of skepticism to this place of helplessness seamlessly to where I, I don't even know, like, you know, there are a couple of twirls of the spoon. She's asking him questions about his his history and his past. And then all of a sudden, he's in a conversation he didn't expect to get in and wouldn't have wanted to have in the first place. It, it's a really, really good scene. Especially since, you know, like I, I probably everybody has been in a situation where they're with a new group and there's someone that's like a little too intense about like their questioning. And you kind of, oh, you sure. know, like, why are you asking this? It feels like I'm being trapped. And you add that to the fact this is his girlfriend's mother mm-hmm. and she's a trained psychologist and they pointed out a problem that uh, you have and they have a psychological fix for it. And why would you, you know, why wouldn't you want to uh, explore that? You know, it seemed almost rude to not sit down and agree. But it's yeah. like, you know, at what point you're like, you know, this is that's the thing. It's like, that's the great thing is like. Second watches of this movie, this guy should have like turned on his heel and ran the second he met her parents. But like, there's many points in this movie where if he had done that, he would just like everyone like like a quote unquote objective observer, especially if you're talking about his girlfriend, uh, if she wasn't a psychopath, uh, you'd be like, well, this guy's just overreacting. Mm-hmm. Like he's totally. he's making a mountain out of a mole- molehill. Instead, it's like these all these kind of like things are unsettling his gut and like setting his alarm bells off. And he has to kind of suppress that because like, oh, these are just, you know, what? How? how yeah, like it's I guess that's what's the, the real hell is like navigating a world where, you know, uh, a person that does you harm versus a person that means you well to a person just indifferent. They all look the same. You can't really yeah. tell based on their politics or where they live, which one they're going to be, how they, you know, it's it's it's. This movie, I think, does such a great job of showing what, how unsettling that that experience could be. For sure. Without them jacking your body uh, at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then it goes full on horror um, at the end. Like they, they play with they play with the mystery for a very long time, which I liked uh, until. It, and even even once they reveal that, OK, something here is actually bad for him. Uh, right. Things are going to go very wrong for him. You can't possibly guess how wrong they're going to go, right? No. You're thinking, okay, well, he's going to be kidnapped by these people and murdered by them. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how it goes, right? I remember and the then first... they reveal what they're actually going to do. And it is far more fucked up than I could have imagined. And just the way how matter of fact it is about the thing. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, this isn't like cackling evil. This is just like, it's, uh, this is the banality, I guess, of evil. It's like, yeah, hey, it probably sucks, but you know, it could be worse. And uh, you're going to a better place. I remember first of all, trying to like, cause I was like, yeah, what is the angle? This is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Are they like stealing black people's organs? Like, right. are they going to like, I like I'm going to see Steven root walk around with the, uh, you know, Daniel's eyeballs here in the second, like what, what is, but like, yeah, the audacity of the, the plan. And, and there's so many clear parallels, like all of these lines of dialogue in mm-hmm. the first half of the movie are all very reasonable and they're designed to reassure him. But like, they're so fucking nakedly menacing. Like when he's talking about his grandparents, like, oh, uh, our groundskeepers, I know what it looks like. We're rich, you know, landed gentry white folk. But, you know, we hired them to help out with their elderly parents. And when they died, we couldn't bear to let them go thinking like, oh, these nice they don't even have they're just paying these people to because they feel bad to fire them. 
but it's like they couldn't let the grandparents go. Yeah. And also they're not going to let the black people go in like terms of, you know, uh, usurping their bodies. And it's like mm-hmm. super fucking menacing. The fact that like uh, all the black people in this film that are like part of the coagula group are wearing like hats or fixated on keeping their hair just yeah, such, and like, I you're like what the this fuck time is around. But like then I think uh, uh, you're like, oh, it's because they're trying to hide the lobotomy scars or whatnot. There's like all this really uh-huh. subtle stuff that they're doing that just works so well. And I think that the, the, the true mystery that they, they keep the longest is whether Allison Williams is in on it or not. Because there's yes. like several stages of like, well, something funny is going on. No, no, it can't be. Oh, I know something's funny going on here. But at night and that like where he's going through the box of her ex-girlfriends and it's just young black man after young black man after young black man. And he kind of realizes it. But then and he sees the groundskeeper. And yeah, he's like, oh, shit. All yeah, right. I thought that. And and he, I, I read an interview with um, he or uh, Jordan Peele where he's like casting Allison Williams was like um a key to that because you know she is kind of like uh you know a poster child of this well-meaning white woman in fact like there she even has this like where it seems like she's standing up to for for daniel's um civil rights you know like pulled over he's not even driving the cops interested in seeing his id and she's like fucking super like oh no you didn't you're not gonna do and on second watch, you realize this wasn't designed to make him feel comfortable or to further seduce him. It was designed to keep evidence out of the police's hands of the many, many black men that she's luring to this estate to to permanently enslave slash murder slash put into the sunken place. I thought that right. was a really great detail because it works on a bunch of totally. different levels. Number one, it made me feel uncomfortable because one of the things I've learned about I guess allyship is if you're a white person in a group of like black people at say a protest or something, don't ever be the person throwing Molotov cocktails, breaking windows or starting shit with the cops. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. If if you are uh, like a loud mouthy woman and you're in a group of dudes uh, and you are picking a fight with another group of dudes, you're not the one that's going to take the ass beating. Yeah. The guy is saying, look, would you shut the fuck up? And it's the same kind of thing when you have black, <laughs> white. So it's like, it's already kind of like you might make this a by grandstanding. You might make this actually worse for this man. Mm-hmm. But then when she's hiding, <laughs> she's hiding the, the criminal details. It's like that's another re- realization is like, oh, Jesus, it's like wrong on three different levels. Oh, totally. Yeah. There are a lot of scenes that are like that. Um, just all, all the scenes of, you know, them sizing him up once the extended family gets there. Right. Everybody is like. It, it, there, there's definitely some weird shit with with her brother, um, which is more overt. Which is like, you'd be a fucking beast, right? That that stuff. Um, and then there's the family is just like, oh, you're so handsome, like feeling the, your arms and stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this like, might be a weird two handsy family, or it might be exactly what what it is in this movie. <laughs> well, there's a, all yeah, like that scene where it's like a, a bunch of old dudes with breaking down bodies sizing him up like how's your golf swing can i see how your hip moves and all that um but then also little details like the help the gardener and the maid Mm -hmm. are taking the lead to welcome all these wealthy white people into the house you know like they're meet greeting and they're giving a big hug and like that only makes sense if you realize that that's the grandparents living within and 
Yeah. So it's like there's all these subtle kind of like, well, what the fuck? This is like Downton Abbey and uh, Mr. Carson's going out to meet the queen instead of Lord Grantham. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And it makes so much more sense on, on subsequent watches. Yep. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's also like another, like I thought it's very creepy the way when Daniel goes upstairs and like the facade that they're keeping that this is some kind of like family reunion party instantly drops. Like everyone just like falls silent, like some kind of fucking pod people. Yeah, that that was pretty weird. Cause like that, that felt kind of artificial to me. Like why would they not still have conversations among themselves? What, what are they getting? Cause they're like basically looking yeah. at the ceiling and like listening to him walk around essentially. Yeah. But like, what does that get them? It's un. It's just an. It's like an. It's just something that's unsettling. Um, I felt like there was enough that was unsettling without mm. that. That felt like a step too far for me. Well, see, I, I thought so. Like, I was debating my mind whether the brother was too much, because. But on the other hand, he's kind of like the red herring, you know. Like, uh, well, here, here is like in this family, there is this guy who is like super fucking racist or inappropriate, or he has got you know feeling certain to like. I don't know. Like, does that make you feel like that? That draws your eye to like the obvious danger, right? Yeah, um, sure. and blinds you to the other stuff going around. And I was wondering if like some of this other, but I, I just thought that was like an Alfred Hitchcock, like the birds moment. Like you know, see all the it's 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 meant to be kind of menacing, and we're far enough into the movie where I think even the slow people are starting to catch on to what's going on here, and this just like takes the takes the unexpressed, unfelt, um, or felt but unexpressed tension in the movie and makes it like forefront. Mm-hmm. But I also see your point because it, it all is the stuff like, with like the groundskeeper and Georgina, like that was enough for me to to feel that I didn't need this moment of true artificiality where, yeah, they just stop everything they're doing as if they are pod people because they're not pod people; they're just uh, racists who want to steal black people's bodies. <laughs> like, do you think that? The, but there's like I, I, I was trying to think in the first time through because I remember like just racking my brain like, what is the thing? that's going to happen here that uh you know is, is what's the actual and i it wasn't beyond the realm of possibility that these were some kind of pod people or some sure. kind of like monstrous vampiric because i was thinking like this is some kind of vampire cult or something and they only eat you know black people or something like that uh so like having them do something that weird and that uh artificial kind of like oh these might be aliens or oh these might be but in in the entire scope of the project on, on retrospect is one of those things that maybe doesn't work as well in the second watch because it's like, well, yeah, why the fuck are these people acting like pod people? They're just, yeah. They're just what rich, purpose does that assholes. serve yeah. in their quest to, you know, size this guy up? Uh, yeah. It didn't seem to serve much of a purpose. Th- that was like one of the only false notes. There's, there's one other thing that I think they probably could have dropped from this movie. And I don't understand why it's in there. It's the one Asian guy. I don't know what they're trying to do with like 
the one dude who's not, you know, the lily white colonizer, essentially. Like, well, because because race in America is really fucking complicated. There's higher levels to it. And I think but like, that's, what does I, that contribute as far as that message goes? I man, I don't know, because like I, it's it's fascinating when you see um, and I've I've seen a couple like podcasts and videos where you have like Latino and black and Asian people all talking about their shared experience of racism mm-hmm. and also how it's different. And, you know, uh, there is like classes of race here are we there's also some element of like yeah we've all experienced racism but like if you had to put like you know if you had to if you had to say who's had it worse or who has it better right then those type of conversations get uncomfortable and it's it's (laughs) sure it's interesting to see how like an asian person can turn super white sounding when they're you know it's the same and then this isn't this isn't to pick on asian people it's like that's one of the things i it actually helped me a lot because when I first started like learning about, you know, race and sex and all this stuff, because I, I, you know, as, as a lot of people, a lot of you know, I came from a very conservative background. One of the things made me feel better is seeing like because uh, like I, I was introduced to a lot of white, like very vocal white feminist people like brought, raised my consciousness about a lot of these issues. And I felt like, God, I was just a, a unique asshole because like, uh, you know, after you learn about this, like, how could I be so oblivious? And then until I saw like some white feminist women reacting badly to a black feminist woman, like correcting them on some things. It's everyone's yeah. reaction. When you feel like you are racist or you feel like some kind of way that society thinks like, you know, you shouldn't be like to be like to deny it and mm-hmm. to make yourself feel ba- better about the accusation rather than opening up your ears, shutting your mouth and like listening. Um, so like, that kind of stuff, like the fact that this can happen to anybody, like no matter what background, you can have your head screwed on uh, the wrong way. And even if you have it, if, if you have it screwed on the right way, about 99 things, the hundredth can throw you for a loop. Sure. And I think that's the Asian guys there just for like Jordan Peele. Like, and don't think any you know, like some of you like, yeah, don't think that anyone's off the hook about this, you know, this sure. particular thing, okay. I think. But I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Like I said, the the message was very clear by the end, so I don't think it muddies it any. It's just no, yeah. It, it I wasn't quite getting what it's putting down there. Yeah. Um, but as far as like the the big you know cultural appropriation thing, because that's that's what this is all about, right? Like they they constantly keep saying things like black is in fashion. Um, mm. you know everybody. Everybody loves black people right now. Um, And and by the end, like they make it clear that they are that they might be doing this to white people if black wasn't in fashion right now. Right. Like it's it. it, Stephen Root has some some lines at the end where it's like, you know, this is not about the color of your skin. This is something deeper. And that was like kind of striking to me because. When he's talking about like I want your eyes, he like there's there's stuff early on where the dad is talking about like how he travels and how he always picks up souvenirs from the places he goes. He's got them, you know, displayed in his house, and they're all all types of cultures and peoples. And you know, he talks about like experiencing someone else's culture. And Stephen Root gets to the end to that line where he's like, "I want your eyes." He's not talking about. I, I want to appreciate your culture for what it is. He's like, I want to experience your culture from inside of it instead of outside. I, I want to mm-hmm. become your culture. It's like th- this very, uh, th- this very like 
gross cultural appropriation in an intimate way that's like no man this stuff doesn't belong to you right like you can't just steal somebody's eyes and live their life you have to you you are on the outside and you have to like calibrate as such i don't know you can never and it's just i I saw some people um i saw a really interesting thing comparing that to like a gentrification phenomenon like uh yeah totally you know we like these cool neighborhoods that have all this really cool culture and all this art and like this authentic uh this authenticity you know it's like and then uh wealthy people like i want to move into there and have all those things but then it's like, God, the fucking homeless people in this neighborhood. We need someone needs to call the cops on these guys that are standing on the corners at all hours of the night. And they right. destroy the very thing that they they're and it's because they also didn't like create a, it in the first place. They couldn't right. have created it in the first place. Yeah, right. He wants to like, you know, and this guy's already been portrayed as a very successful artist. Uh-huh. And that's the other thing I thought but, but was really not, brilliant. But, is, he, but he's bad, right? Like, he's not a good artist. He's just an art dealer. Like, he, he says, like, I tried to be an artist. I tried to do things like take photos, but I couldn't. I sucked. Oh, see, I didn't I, have the I, eye for it. Okay, I thought he was like. I mean, clearly he's like. I, I thought. I, I thought the story they're telling is a guy who's clearly successful as an artist, but maybe felt inferior to like what Dan, the work that Daniel Kaluuya was doing, and also now he's blind. And he's kind of trying to recapture that and 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 have that kind of aesthetic as his own, which I guess is the same thing. But like, it, I thought there was some interesting similar, symbolism yeah. in that, like they're having this uh, on the surface a bingo party. Uh-huh. And it's actually a silent slave auction. Yeah. But like every one of those people's bingo cards is already filled out. They're a winner. Right. Yeah. And I like saw this that. guy who's like a wealthy art collector and that's and, and he's won at life, but that's not good enough for him because in his old age, he wants to redo it and he wants to create art with black eyes, whatever that that means. But I, but yeah. that's something that like I the black artists have kind of like um, remarked upon since the beginning like that like it seems like america loves our culture thinks it's cool mm-hmm. and wants it all they just don't want us to be a part of it they that's don't want the us thing. to make money up they don't want us to profit or make money from it it's just like uh that's really cool yoink it's ours now you know one of one of the scenes that really stood out to me in the watchman series was in the very first episode i think it's like the second scene of the entire show is where there's a 7th Cavalry member driving down the road in his pickup truck and he's blasting some rap song, right? Like, And then the cops pull him over and the cop is black and he ends up murdering that cop, like just gunning him down with a machine gun. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the irony, the irony of this dude who is a horrible racist loves this fucking music that can sure. only be made by black people. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like, ah. Uh, what's the opposite of delicious irony it's like <laughs> i don't know disgusting it's, disgusting irony yeah yeah man um that's like this movie in a nutshell is that scene so i want to talk about because there's a, like in the symbolism and talking about like disgusting irony where on that where on the line of uh white supremacist gunning down a black cop to uh nwa or whatever it was mm-hmm. on a scale of that where where does uh, a black man freeing himself by picking cotton uh, fall on the <laughs> I irony didn't scale. even get that. Wow, wow, it's true though, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. Uh, he he pulls the stuffing out of that the armchair and sticks uh-huh. it in his ears, right, and frees himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and that's I, like <laughs> that's gotta be intentional, right? Totally, totally intentional. 
Um, and then I even loved it, like, because this movie's set up for like a really dark ending. You know, like this guy, like he does a Django Unchained, and like I, man, the cheer that went up when we, when, when the audience realized, like when he uh, came up from behind that the uh, the the sun and beat him to death, or like not close enough to death, beat beat almost beat him to death with the the orange ball. Yeah, and he pulls those things out, but then like the gasp and groan of after he had finally Django Unchained the whole family, killed everybody, and as he's standing over like Allison Williams choking the life out of her, the cops pull up uh-huh. and it's such an inverse because in almost every horror movie you've ever seen, yep. the cops showing up at the end is where you can finally fucking relax because the poltergeist is going to be, the murderer is going to be caught. Like, mm-hmm. like whoever's alive at that point is going to be okay. Cause the authorities are there. And it's not that way because this is a black man standing over a white woman. He's just choked to death. Yeah. And when that fucking door opens and it says airport security, yeah. the fucking cheer <laughs> right? that went out because it's like, oh my God, it's his buddy that's come here to save the fucking day. Totally. Oh, yeah. Did you I, know? My, my stomach sank when I saw that car pull up for the first time. Well, I saw the flashing lights. When you saw the flashing lights and uh-huh. Allison Williams start to smile because yeah. she knows what the fuck is going to happen. Uh, and she even plays it up. She's like, you know, in her weak little voice, oh my God, I, I help, help, I need... Um, did you know this movie did not originally end that way? I've read that there are a lot of alternate endings to this thing. There, and I watched, I did not, I, I watched, there is a version where it just played straight. The cops show up, put him on the ground. Uh, and the next scene is Dana Kalua sitting in, you know, with a pane of glass between him and his airport security buddy. And mm-hmm. the airport's guy is trying to like, you know, he's like, you know, you can trying to get everything you remember. Cause he's trying to like, find all the black people who have gone missing. He's trying to still trying to fight and track down all the vestiges, this Cali- uh, not Caligula coagula movement. <laughs> right. And Daniel's like, Hey man, it's, it's like, it's not going to happen. It's like, it's, we got to be content enough that we stop them. And then he goes and he's led away to a jail cell and the, the door shuts and they play it. Uh, and I thought that. So, so apparently the, 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 the studio, cha- they made a change because like audiences were furious. Like when like like all this happened to this guy and he gets locked up for it. And I got to say, like, I did like the the lighthearted end where, you know, after everything he's been through, he's going knowing that he's going to be OK, made me feel good about it. But after I saw the the original ending, I think it suits the film a lot better. Because, like, I think there is this pessimism in in the black community that, like, we'll never get justice. The yeah. best we can hope for is things will stop. Like the right. best we can hope for is the pressure eases off a little bit. And that, oh, you know, um, but like actually getting a justice or apology or some kind of restoration. Fuck. No, that's never going to happen. Um, yeah, I've I've I, I don't know, because how much like, boy, do you want to walk away from this movie feeling such a downer feeling feeling like all is lost? There is no hope kind of vibes or would you rather walk away from it having felt a tiny bit of that but then having it subverted at the end you know and then walking away and giving you hope giving you you know i i don't know it's it's are are you a fan of happy endings of the movies or are you a fan of you know little bittersweet endings uh this one maybe just even being totally bitter i've I've seen a lot of horror movies that end on real down notes like you think that they've escaped the horror or whatever and 
you know, it, it comes back later. Right. Or yeah, there's signs that it's still there. Um, so that's it all, totally that's racism would, in America, that fucking Jason Voorhees, right? Never going to go in the ground. Yeah. And, and, and that would have totally suited this movie. I think it would have, it would have been more realistic of an ending probably and said something, uh, definitely about racism in America, but also shit, man, <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to walk out of this movie feeling that, or do you want to feel it for a moment when that cop car mm. pulls up mm-hmm. and then go? Because you definitely do. Everyone it, it, in the theater yeah. knew fucking what was up. Yep. Everybody. Um. And and then have you know that kind of like said, okay, we we do have hope here, right? Like we can work together on this. Like the TSA guy is coming in to save his buddy. It's it's not like you know the benevolent white guy shows up and helps you out, right? That's right, not what happens right. there. It's right. So there's still an element to that, but yeah, I I think I like the happier ending better. It's but interesting because so right, um, and I was like, you know, what would be more representative of like the minority experience? You know, um, totally that that the, other ending, yeah. But it's it's interesting because um, Jordan Peele is talking about you know I think this has got a pretty good soundtrack from Childish Gambino's Redbone. You know, stay woke and don't don't close your eyes. To the uh, I've had the time of my life fucking psychotic scene with Allison Williams, mm-hmm. um, but he mentioned it was it was a struggle to find because he wanted to do mostly music from African American musicians, and he said when I was going on I was going through all this the the discography, it's like I really had a hard time finding stuff that matched the tone I want for this movie because most even like really dire. Um, you know, dirges written by African Americans about the condition are tinged with this unmistakable note of optimism. Mm, yeah. Um, and I was like, I wonder like how much of that is like just like you have to. Because right. like that's something I've noticed like um there's it seems like there's a lot of white people down bad in in America, Jim. I don't know if you've seen this, this this concept of doomerism, this doom scrolling that like Sure. This is a uniquely bad part in American history, and we, and we might never recover. We're going to poison the planet. We're never going to have jobs. We're never going to have homes. And I get it. I get it. But also, God damn, like we have a bad decade, decade and a half, and we're ready to pack it in white America. Really? 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 Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. Like it, that's something that like I thought thought was 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 challenging. That like you know maybe uh, we got to you know, like like you can't you can't give like even when things are bleaker that that's when you can't like just give in to despair. You got to redouble the fight. You got to you know recruit more allies. You got to change more minds. You got to fight because like there is this, this streak of like um, just kind of like I said like the, the doomerism going in you know and uh, uh, white America. And uh, it's, it's I don't yeah. think it's a good look for us. Uh, no, I mean, it, <laughs> among the, other things that that sentiment reminds me of, like people who are in a war, right, in in active combat, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there there's a certain sense of like fatalism, but like you 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 are going to get through it too. There there's like you know the you you find the the bright spot in the sea of just complete bullshit, and you've got to latch onto that, otherwise. Like what? You just roll over and die? Like yeah, as a people, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a it's been a long time. Uh, you know, since this shit has has been going on here in America, let alone elsewhere. Um, 
yeah, to hang on to that hope and that optimism is impressive to me because, I mean, shit, I personally, I don't think I would. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it, it is inspiring to be able to maintain a, a, that 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 hope and optimism. I think it's something we're all going to have to learn uh, if we don't want to just, you know, put up with depressing uh, and human shit the rest of our lives. Yeah. I kind of like I've never been a huge fan of Allison Williams, you know, her 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 dad, you know, famous NBC uh, anchor clearly greased the wheels for a lot. Uh, you know, she she landed in this girls thing where she essentially played herself. Um, I never thought she had much range. I still don't know that I believe she has a lot of range, but she did a couple things I thought were pretty fucking amazing um, and was pretty. You know, to play a character this evil and this psychotic, I think, is, you know, when you are, you know, uh, uh, when your brand is being kind of young and bubbly and beautiful. Um, the where, where like when when uh, uh, Daniel's buddy calls her and tries to figure out and she is like plays. I don't She might have ADR it because like I don't know how you actually do this. Like she plays distressed and distraught, but mm-hmm. her facial affect is completely blank. Uh, I thought that was like pretty fucking remarkable. And also the scene of her and like her all white uniform sitting cross-legged on a bed, eating dry fruit loops and drinking a glass of 2% homogenized milk mm-hmm. while she's going through uh, lookbooks of her next black man. She's going to, uh, I don't know what you would say this kill or enslave. Um, yeah. Ki- kidnap. Certainly. Yeah. Um, um it is one of the more unsettling things I've seen in cinema of recent. Like it's there's there's something just like monumentally evil about how vanilla it all is. Yeah, totally. I mean, she's literally sitting there you know, eating the cereal. She's dressed all in white and she's drinking a glass of milk. It's like even and I got to know that Jordan Peele knows this because like this is, a I think, an experience common to Gen Xers. That I've had the time of our, our life is known for two things. It's the Dirty Dancing is that it's, it's the theme song of Dirty Dancing, uh-huh. and it's also the theme track to Highways of Death, or whatever I forget what exactly named the sh- the short film that they showed you in Driver's Ed and throughout the late eighties and nineties. Like they they played this this music. I've had huh. a time in life to scenes of carnage on the highway, beheaded corpses. <laughs> blood stay <laughs> just to kind of like you know kind of like hey this wow. is this is this you know prom night you know you get a little drunk it's like like te- sure it's kind of inculcating the teenagers like good times equals bad times and i thought that that's a the, so it's like that's the association i have with that is like oh these are violent images of death and she's going through other fun fact <laughs> one of the in top nba prospects uh that she was casing uh if you freeze frame and look at it it's uh, Keegan Michael Key. Nice. So he got <laughs> he got a cameo because I that's the other thing. It was the first time through. I thought surely he'd be a cameo. He'd be like yeah. one of these Lakeith Stanfield types, uh, just kind of like in the crowd. But he is. He's just in the the her little uh, Bing search she was doing for her next victim. Yeah, let's talk about that. What's up with the Bing searches and the Microsoft surfaces everywhere? They clearly Money. got sponsorship, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, black creators love Microsoft. You heard it here first. You know, it's right. just better. It's just better. Uh, iTunes sure. or Apple and uh, uh, Android racist. Uh, gotcha. Only Microsoft is colorblind. It was it was uh, really obvious. It was really fucking obvious to me. I don't know why. Like, 
I, I saw no the one, Windows no symbols way. on the computers, and then I saw Bing, and I was like, oh, no one uses Bing. That's the thing. It's that's that's what makes it stand out as product placement because it's like it's one thing when it's Coca Cola. But right. like if it's Fago pop, like, oh, yeah, that's like RC you know, Cola, RC. Co- yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 there's Somebody, no fucking way money changed that's, hands there. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I, yeah, people like in, unless you're doing a, a something about like fucking juggalos, you're not going to have Fago pop <laughs> right. laying out on the tables and stuff. Uh, This. Uh, maybe we should talk about that real quick like money changing hands this movie had a remarkably small budget it was four and a half million dollars it ended up making a mind-boggling amount of money given its budget 255 million dollars it was the most profitable movie that year by every metric by like gross versus you know like like gross profit versus net profit um value per screen because this also didn't okay. get like a fucking Avengers like five thousand screen release too. Hmm. Like it's it's profitability for like hours of cinema watched for the movie theaters was off the charts too. And it had an just insane word of mouth. Like he yeah. Peel, like they retired uh, from that show at the height of their popularity, and this guy went right into directing horror. Yeah. Which so what what do you think about that? Like the difference between a directing horror and 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 comedy. Because I thought uh, Peel had a couple of uh, uh, interesting things to say about it. I feel like they're not totally dissimilar, right? Like it's it's about building attention. Because um, because comedy is all about the you know the difference between your expectations and the the outcome of the thing, right? Exactly. So like, there is a lot of that in this, and this movie is also very funny too. It has like Rod is a hilarious character. His he is. his riff about Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> And the you know sex <laughs> slaves and shit. Yeah, that's uh-huh. so good. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I, I see the similarities in comedy and horror. Sure, that's what he said. He says comedy is all about, like you said, the difference in ex- the expectation versus reality, timing, timing, sure, tension, mm-hmm. and reveals. Yeah, and if you think about it, that is yeah, they're just two sides of the same fucking. Uh, you know, they're they're the the same the same psychological coin. Um. The things that make you like the the, the 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 techniques you use to make your hair stand up on the back of your neck are the exact same uh, techniques you use to have a, a audience like cover their mouth and like horror and gasp or like, oh, it's actually, you know, it's, yeah, it's actually OK to laugh. But that, that release yeah. of tension. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it, it's not even just limited to, you know, comedy and horror. I think it's good storytelling um, re- revealing a plot element with a twist uh, could could be for a, a murder mystery. It could be for a, even a drama, even just a straight up drama. Like Breaking Bad did that a lot, um, where it would build tension and then hit you with the the climax of it, and you're like, you're just blown away because you didn't see it coming. Um, yeah, yeah, good storytelling is really what he's doing here. Yeah, I just man, watching this multiple times, there's so many things, so many layers to it too. That like, um, like I even like in the beginning, like Allison Williams, I noticed when she's like down uh, at the deli getting pastry, she has this kind of like blissed out, hungry look. That and and knowing that she is going to take this man to have to his to his doom, like just really sets like it's it's so great watching her performance, knowing what she eventually becomes. Yeah, um, because I think she's just really good at that. Um, and that thing she hasn't done. Alison Williams hasn't done a terrible amount of work. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think she's good. Like, I'm very impressed by her in this movie. I'm very impressed by yeah. everybody in this movie. But I mean, you look at Daniel Kaluuya. I haven't seen her and much. her like similar mm-hmm. points in their career. But like he is fu- taken the fuck off. Yeah. Um, you know, it might got, be her name. I couldn't remember her name. For she anything. is just like the, the default setting for white toast. girl too. She yeah. really is. There's nothing particular. Like there's not the thing that works about her is like there's nothing offensive and it's very but but like also there's nothing that really stands out. <laughs> she's she's like the Jennifer Love Hewitt with a worse name. Like well, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Stand out about Jennifer Love Hewitt. Let me tell you. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> There's some things that stand way out for her. Fair. Um, Fair. But but yeah, like she does look like a Skyrim ge- uh, creator generator yeah. with all of its settings at the middle. You know, like oh, a female human. Yeah. Why Caucasian? There you go. That's that's what that's what she looks like. Mm-hmm. But it works. It totally works in this movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It trades off on that. Uh huh. Um, you need someone like heavily, that in this role. Heavily. Um. Did you ever see us? I have not seen us yet. Us was great too. I'm I Jordan Peele is one of those guys who is on my, you know, uh, Bobby Eggy list of uh, this person makes a movie. I'm going to see it opening night. And like, it doesn't even have to be horror or comedy. Like if Jordan Peele uh, is taking the time to write and direct something, I want to watch it because it's probably going to be super interesting. I'm going to be hella entertained and I'm probably going to learn a thing or two about uh, the human condition. He's got um, one this year coming out called. I nope. know. I can't remember what it was, but like we were like, is that like? And then we saw it was written and directed by Jordan Peele. Like, oh, that's first ballot. Uh, yeah, first ballot, uh, first run movie uh, time. Mm-hmm. So I forget what it is. Hold on, let me it's check. Called it out. Nope. Right. I don't know any other details. I don't think anybody knows the details of the plot, but that's um, the title. It's supposed to be great, this like, year. I love his titles too, man. They're <laughs> iconic and simple and like provocative. Um, yeah and it says so much about nope yeah right i I don't know what nope's about but us us says a lot it says a lot with its cover art too or its movie poster because like it it feels like the other side of the coin here where there's like a white element of get out the the black element really shines in the us poster right like it's it's a black woman taking off a black mask and it says, hey, this is going to be more about the black experience um, than it is like Get Out has like the white perspective in it, too. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I imagine Us probably doesn't have as much of that. I remember that that's the thing is Us has much more reflective about like um, like the back black experience um, reflecting upon itself. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas this is like the black experience in uh, in conflict with the white experience. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Nope either because like I don't like you said no one does, but it does mm. star Daniel Kaluuya again and Stephen Young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. So like yeah, I'm fucking really really excited to to see that when it hits uh, later this summer. Yep. Uh, supposed to be come out in mid July. So uh, I think that's all we got. <laughs> Now's the part where we tell people what we're doing next. Jim, tell people what's coming up. All right. Well, the winner of last week's poll uh, for our executive producer level patrons was Rocky, the 1976 
wasn't taxi taxi driver is on that list too right yeah taxi driver got its ass kicked by rocky like rocky just beat, de niro beat showed the, up with his raging bull gloves and rocky just beat him into the dirt put man. him on put him on a meat hook and treat him like a, <laughs> a rack of ribs man yeah. just tenderizes the fuck out of him yeah bl- blown the fuck out yeah rocky. seven to one uh Which, and, by the way, and, and speaking of blowouts uh blowout and saturday night fever got zero votes so Oh, I was hoping for Saturday Night Fever, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that, like, um, if you only know Rocky from like Rocky four and some like make no mistake, the original <laughs> Rocky is a prestige film. It is. It is very good. It won multiple Oscar nominations and I think wins uh, if, if I'm not mistaken. It's yeah. It does. Yeah. If it you've did. never it's it's a sports film for sure, but it's it's got a lot of surprising depth and is one of those things that really changed my mind because I grew up uh, still St- or Stallone is just a meathead. Uh, I did not know sure. that he had, you know, wrote and produced like these well-regarded movies. I did not know that the first Rambo first blood was amazing. Like there it's a good fucking it's a good fucking film. So if you're tempted to tune tune it out, I would challenge you to watch it and, and check our podcast. No, uh, no, the, the rock. The original Rocky is to Rocky for what uh, first blood is to Rambo two, or or I guess Rambo first blood part two. <laughs> or it's like Downton Abbey season six as to Downton Abbey season one. The, it, sure. it, it once was like a undeniable prestige thing that then turned into something completely <laughs> okay. different. Yeah, but, uh, no, I'm excited tried, for that I, one. I was trying to give a prestige television fan a a, a kind of it, it's analogy. Game of Thrones season four versus <laughs> Game of Thrones season eight. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and then what are the choices for our patron executive producers going forward for the prestige film? Uh, next week they can vote on Long Kiss Goodnight, Ghost in the Darkness. Mr. Holland's Opus or Tin Cup. That's a that's a that's a crazy list of films. Sure um, is. I think I, I've seen I, I've seen exactly one of these one time. I saw Ghost in the Darkness. Everything else. I've seen everything but Tin Cup. And hmm. uh yeah, we're kind of on a Costner Costner roll. Um <laughs> I I and here's a, some some juice for you. Like I remember not liking Mr. Holland's opus and I kind of mm-hmm. have a vendetta, a grudge, an acting grudge against Dreyfus. Oh, I don't right. know why. It's an irrational one. It's mm-hmm. he's the 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 masculine equivalent of my Gwyneth Paltrow, just like on site. There's something about some Allison Will, Will, Willis Wilsony about uh, the, the the these people. It's just this unsettling. Makes me feel unsafe around them. Uh, so, but then again, I, I saw that as a much younger man who has a lot less experience, wasn't a father at the time. So we'll see how that goes. But those are things you can, is vote his for opus, his child producer. Is that what his opus is? It's got a double meaning. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything for you. You haven't seen it, right? <laughs> it's also his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Come so say hello to Mr. Allen's magnum, magnum opus. Uh, uh yeah those are the things you can vote for if you're an executive producer patron at patron.com find out all the ways you can support us at support.ballmove.com that's it for prestige movies this week we'll see you back next week for rocky until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya